There are few feelings more powerful than want. Only a small number of people even know what it is that they want. That's why knowing what you want can be the most empowering experience. And that is why one of the most difficult challenges we can face is when we can't do what we want. Personal desires, the plan for a dream, project, or a community are goals that are susceptible to hardship and misfortune. When an obstacle prevents you from getting what you want, it can leave you feeling helpless. The great challenge in these moments is when you can stop focusing on the thing or things that you can't do and find a way to work on what you still can do. In this conversation with Tara Masson on our series about self-acceptance, we discuss a process that can help determine the choices you still have when you can't do the very things you want to do. Uh, the weather is suddenly like this other new factor. It seems to be always <laughs> popping up when we're trying to have these conversations. And <laughs> I have to chuckle about it because I'm sure people are like, these guys just talk about the weather a lot. Right, you know, right. <laughs> what's going on with that? And, uh, you know, what do we need to understand? <laughs> hey, you know what? I would much rather have rain than here in Minnesota. We just got over, you know, we had like a polar Arctic vortex where I was like, I literally screenshotted, I think it was like, we got down to negative 50 wind chill and actual like negative 38 wind chill or actual negative 38 uh, temperature. And then now we, after we got over that, we've been dealing with huge amounts of snow. So we've literally gotten like two and a half, three feet of snow in the last two weeks. So I would much rather have rain. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's just um, me though <laughs> i can only imagine that it would be more enjoyable um and i'm curious to hear you know if anyone else feels that they've got a a yay or a nay on that like oh i love it it's nothing or right? you know right. I, i'm hearing what you're preaching and i'm picking up what you're putting down kind of thing. yeah yeah um which reminds me of my friend who always enjoyed that phrase with me who lives in minnesota as well and he's my other sort of like insight into what's really? going on with the weather yeah okay, uh, okay. he he lives now i think outside of rochester oh, uh kind of rural more snow than us yeah i think so oh. yeah he was he's always been between the two twin cities but i'm trying to think and then he he's gone a little more rural so uh i know recently he put a post saying that he he did uh someone came through with a plow and plowed their street and he's got a four-wheel drive so he just kind of peeked around a couple blocks and said he saw so many vehicles either, you know, high centered in parking lots or areas like that where they thought they had it yeah. or uh, in ditches. And yep. um, I'm sure that can be a, a pretty uh, eye opening reminder of, oh, I don't want to be that. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, as far as today, uh, do you want me to go ahead and kickstart it since I, I kind of, you know, broached yeah. the topic? Yeah, okay. I love um, And I actually want to start off with something, you know, um, I was reading our notes and our email conversations and just sitting on our topic. And I don't like to over-prepare. I like to have the idea and the concepts in the front of my mind, but I don't like script. I like to just let things be airy and see what comes. And I've been... Um, doing something new the last month and I had these deck of cards and the, it it's this deck of cards that's called the language of letting go by the author of Melody Beatty. And every morning I wake up and before I start journaling, I draw a card 
And I was sitting there just shuffling the cards and it's like, okay, let me focus my intention on maybe a message that would help us um, or help add to this conversation of what you can do when you can't do what you want. And I drew a card and the card is titled acting quote as if close quote. And it says today I will try acting as if a positive form of pretending. This is a good way to get past part of a problem or overcome fear and doubts. I will act as if the situation is already resolved and get on with my life. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. uh, And I appreciate you bringing that up because it was something that I really enjoyed uh, when I saw your um, Facebook post recently about doing those cards. Yeah. Um, The, uh, the messages seem to be, you know, it's interesting because, um, and, the uh, background noise is we had to shuttle the dogs into crates because they were just getting a little too frisky this morning. So <laughs> that was just a little bit of that you just heard now. Um, but it takes this, you know, sort of uh, simple idea that you'll hear from people when you're in a new situation, you're trying to just figure things out or you're sort of, you know, looking for and they'll say, hey, fake it till you make it. And you, what you're offering here is a much more centered approach to that. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does that mean exactly? Like, how mm-hmm. do you how do you fake it without feeling inauthentic? How do you stay authentic while trying to also do something that you're almost willing into existence yes. um, through this act? And then it, it takes on more of a, no, you're not trying to just, you know, play a fraud. Right. You're trying to, you know, start to create something. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it's simply the creation of intention. Maybe it's the creation of mindset, but that you're using this idea to bring yourself to this central point of, well, let me at least consider this before mm-hmm. I, I step forward. Yes. And uh, I really like that introduction. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important, too, because you hear fake it till you make it. But then maybe when you finally arrive to where you want to be, you still are carrying around that fraudulent feeling, that icky feeling of, maybe being an imposter. So if you flip the script when you're not able to do what you want to do or have what you want or just feel stuck in general, if you take the situation and decide, A, okay, this is what it is, A, acceptance, B, I have to move on with my life. Like I can't just stay paralyzed, but... I can begin acting as if things are going to turn out in my favor, maybe not the way I want them to, but things will turn out well and I am safe. I am okay. And it allows you to slightly separate yourself from a problem, right? Yes. Um, I'm a big sucker for, for, film and story that that makes reference to how we used to do things and i always love the nautical reference from uh the old star trek show where they would say where to now well second star to the left straight on till morning and it was this very sweet idea of pick a direction and that's where you're heading yeah you know and it's it's you know it's about making that choice and going instead of knowing the why the where the how and it also lends to that sort of mystery and, and wonder that is kind of uh, maybe a, a mental image that might come up for those who, who look at the sea as being, you know, something that's full of 
you know, the idea that for so many sailors, when they headed out from, or when they set off from, from land and were venturing out, they had an idea, but they never knew what they were going to discover. Right. And, you know, you've got this sense of, well, I don't know what I'm going to discover, <laughs> but I know that I've got this guide point that I've, I've set up for myself and I'm going to steer towards that. And that's my direction right now. And, you know, I really like that. That's how, you know, this comes across as direction. You know, it's not always about being, you know, but it's about getting towards or mm-hmm. working towards or looking Forward towards. motion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's a great example. You know, so often we're looking for role models or, you know, we're looking for ways to find a way through something and, while we've talked that there can be risk to that, especially who you might ascribe to or who you might decide to follow. Uh, oftentimes, if that's not a good path, well, maybe following a direction based on intention above anything else, above mm-hmm. a person, maybe set the role model based on, on that, the focus of your direction. <coughs> I like I've got it. my own cough. Oh, no. You can't I do don't. it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, I love that you just really naturally worked in the title that we've been thinking about for this one, what you can do when you can't do what you want. And, um, this came from uh, an experience I had recently and I'm going to get a little personal here. Yeah. And, uh, essentially in December about, I don't know, maybe the 10th or 12th, I got a text from my mom that my father had collapsed Mm -hmm. and we didn't know why. And after a rough night of no sleep and clearly not feeling better, she called an ambulance and got him to the hospital. And they knew something was wrong, but they wanted to get him to a better facility so they could do more. And in the process, they realized that his lung was collapsing from some kind of pressure, which meant that something was in there, which they later deduced was blood. And the reason there was blood was because he had a air crack in his aortic valve. And that was causing a slow, steady leakage um, to his body. It simply wasn't going through the natural vein and artery system, but instead was just filling, was spilling out and filling up inside. Um, And he collapsed because of his low blood pressure. It turned out that his red blood count was like half or a quarter of what it's supposed to be. And it's because the blood wasn't actually getting in there. So much of it was just spilling out. Yeah, it became became quite an ordeal for us. And for a few weeks, um, I was catching up, learning what was going on with my sister. And we both live very far away. I think the closest is my sister and she lives like an 18 to 24 hour drive, depending on weather and speed. Um, And I live in California and they live in Southern Missouri, right down near the uh, edge of Arkansas. So to get to them for either of us, it usually takes some planning. And we didn't know if he was going to stay there, what the uh, terms would be regarding what was going on with him until we eventually learned he was going to have open heart surgery. Hmm. And even then it became a question of, well, who goes, when do we go, what do we do? And it brought up this, this issue that uh, led to this topic, which was at that moment, I couldn't just drop what I was doing and run out the door and drive to go see my parents just wasn't feasible. It wasn't smart. Yeah. (laughs) There's terrible weather. There's all kinds of things going on. I I need to prepare. I don't know what they need. I don't even know how to get to them yet until 
I've actually learned more. And it led to this understanding of I'm going to act when I know that I can, but yes. I, until I can run out there and do what I want to do, first I have to figure out how to get to that point and, and what that's actually going to look like because no one had any idea until the, the announcement of the surgery what was happening with them. And then once we had an idea, then it was still about, well, how can I still do something even though I can't just be there physically in person? And I was able to coordinate with my sister and mom. Uh, she wanted to make some meals for them while she was visiting so she could help have stuff ready for them when they got home. So we worked out getting an Airbnb that was close enough to the hospital and then coordinating payment and key code and access. And it, it was a, you know, a lot to juggle, but yeah. it was what I was capable of in that. Book. And that was really where this came from was I was constantly seeking ways that I could be there, even though I couldn't be there or ways that I could mm. provide something when I couldn't do what I wanted, which was to be there in person, knowing in person, I could assess things that they can't tell me that I can try and take things in that they're not even paying attention to because of the big problem in the room. Sure. And, sure. Um, so that's where this really started from. And well, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just wanted to get your feedback. on. Yeah. That. No. And I think it's really interesting that we started this topic with, um, you know, right after I, I read that quote by the author, um, Melody Beatty said something to the effect of, you know, direction and you were referring to the C and, and, and I wrote forward and I take notes during our conversation. I just wrote forward motion. And then a couple lines, one was mental, one was physical. And in this situation with your father and your family, even though you weren't at the time, um, after you heard the news, you weren't able to physically pick up and go, you mentally were going forward. Like, how am I going to make this happen for me to get to where I need to go and to act effectively as I physically move myself across the country to be with my family. I thought that was really interesting that you were already doing that. Um, mm. You were already, you know, taking forward motion, even though you physically couldn't be with your family. Yeah, that's uh I, I I can't say when it happened it for me. I, I, it'd be interesting to go back and try and find when that occurred. But there there comes a moment, I think, for a lot of people and probably most, when you're in a situation that you sort of have the most control over what you can do. Right. And oftentimes it's with your own self. Mm -hmm. um, losing a job, uh, considering a new career opportunity. There's this wealth of, you know, potential there. And it's it's okay, well what do I do in this moment? Or there's a crisis and it's okay. I have to manage resources and somehow figure out. And, um, I remember probably in my last couple jobs when I would talk with an employer during a contract and we would be working something out and they would, they would present an issue and I would say, ah, well, in this case, we're just problem solvers. You know, that's mm -hmm. the thing we're doing right now. We've yep. got a problem and we're solving it. We're not trying to write a rule book. We're not trying to do anything else except solve the problem that's in front of us. And then later mm -hmm. we can big picture. Agreed. Agreed. In fact, it reminds me of one of our earlier discussions uh, when I got on a, a 
rant about Joseph Campbell and his reminder mm. for the hero that, you know, your role is always changing mm-hmm. and that you're always taking on different roles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that was really, you know, when I did finally get to see my dad, I remember I was like, hey, uh, I had a funny feeling no one was thinking about you being a guy. So uh, I brought a razor and some scissors. <laughs> We're going to trim your mustache, give you, you know, I did a post on Facebook, like, hey, this is before and after. How's he look? You know, it looks, you know, more like himself. Because he hadn't, you know, he'd been in the hospital already like three, three and a half weeks before oh. I got to see him. So he hadn't shaved. His hair was like sprouting out of the top because he's mostly bald, but still has some, you know, whiskers. And <laughs> yeah, it was just about oh. like, okay, that's something I can do now that I'm here. Thank goodness. Like, right. Today, I'm your barber. Yes. You know? Yeah, we didn't know that's that that's right. what was happening today, but but guess what? Today I'm your barber, and uh, you know that that was just the role I got to be on that given day, or uh, you know doing some other stuff where it was like, hey, this is my role today, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like whether it that. was driving or or things. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was really nice, um, and I can honestly say that having our my wife's father, I got to learn a lot from uh, her brothers and sisters who, you know, definitely displayed this, this level of understanding, you know, through the hospice of, well, let's, let's make sure that we're taking care of the things you can't take care of. Let's yep. make sure that we're doing that. And it mm-hmm. was a, a good reminder. And, and also just to shift, I, I love that you had brought up that, you know, these changes that they're so unexpected that they can occur on these big and small scales. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Um, and uh, I'm just going to shift gears for a minute because I found this topic around the time that this was going on and we started this discussion. And I'm not sure if you had the chance to link to that article link I'd sent you about the, uh, the singer. I didn't. I'm so sorry. Okay. No problem. I'm just going to give a, just a yes. quick little summary because I find it interesting that it, it points to how these challenges can come you know, when we take a risk, that these risks that we're talking about taking sometimes that we're all choosing to pursue when we know what we want or we've chosen to follow a direction, that these risks sometimes lead to, you know, unexpected challenges as a consequence instead of as a reward. Mm. And the idea is this young lady was a rising R&B singer. Uh, she was a, uh, you know, she'd grown a very grassroots um, community and it was built through black churches and small concert venues and gradually had begun performing at these much larger. She had worked her way through the South and the Midwest. She'd had, I think at least one, maybe Grammy award. And she was really starting to become a national figure. And right after the election, she was approached to perform at one of, uh, the new president's inaugurations. And after she did, she lost the ability to find paying work as a singer. Mm. She had become uh, undesirable. She found that fans were no longer communicating with her, let alone buying tickets, buying her music. Um, She believed in her um, position when she took the, the job was, I have an opportunity to use music to bridge a divide, to create some healing right now. Sure. And I can do that as a member of my community and hopefully speak to my community. But she 
realized afterwards that instead of her message being heard, her message was lost because, well, she had taken a stand to do something she thought would make this difference. And the reception said that, no, actually, we disagree with you on that. And we're not going to support your decision. And now she's struggling. She's gone through a lot of different paths. She pursued yoga for uh, relaxation. She pursued meditation. She has begun trying different career paths now as a possibility of knowing that she might no longer be able to ever work professionally as a singer or not until enough time has passed that she can put this behind her in the eyes of her audience Mm -hmm. and listeners. And how this suddenly, in the midst of this great story of success, is an untold story of loss and disappointment mm-hmm. and heartache. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly certain if you were to ask her, in fact, I remember during the article, she states clearly, I'm a singer. I want to sing. I was born to do this. And yet, I can't now. You know, and I can't do it in the way that I used to, which is to support myself and to share my gift and to share a message through it. I've... I've I've lost that capability right now. And uh, it was really kind of shocking because it, it changed, uh, in my mind, just the idea of how these unexpected things can occur. And it just gave me this whole new possibility that I, I think in many ways uh, can go from the big scale with that pinnacle side all the way down to examples you and I both faced with injuries that affected our athletic careers and our dreams and pursuits when we were younger. And how through all of that, we learn to find ways to do what we want without being able to do that one thing we want um, or find ways to do things that we could do uh, either in preparation and healing or in preparation and understanding. What a, well, first off that story, this, this is going to come off really odd, but I think in this digital revolution that we live in, it's, it's easy to um, fanaticize stories of success, right? Of people who are overcoming um, just huge trials and errors and they still rise and they do great things with their life. But oftentimes the story, um, like this gal's story, isn't told. It's overlooked. We don't want to hear it because it's all very, very real, um, and possible to anyone, uh, for anyone. Um, but I think this, that story is important, especially with this topic, you know, what can you do when you can't do what you want? And I think what stuck out to me about this story was that the mere fact that she admitted that right now she's exploring other um, career opportunities because a, we all have to make money to survive and support ourselves. But in the heart of her knowing that, you know, her career air quotes might be ending no matter what she does for work. um, She still identifies at her heart center as a singer. And I think that in itself is, um, remarkable because when we're faced with risk and we're faced with things not going the way we thought they would go. And when we feel stuck, we often get, um, our judgment, our thought processes, our heart often gets clouded up in, in how we identify 
ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it takes a lot of courage for her to say, yeah, well, my career as a singer may be over, but I'm still a singer, you know? Um, and I think that takes a lot of courage, which when you break down the word courage in Latin into the bases, you know, you have core, which is heart and age, which is time. So even though things aren't going her way, she's still identifying with her heart. She's still making time for her heart. So I think that's also a really important thing to do too. When things just, when you can't make the forward motion physically, when you can't have the impact that you want or the things that you want, but to take a moment to have some courage and go, okay, what is it that my heart needs? And, and how can I at least get a little slice of it now, right now? Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think so often we're, maybe it's easier to forget than it is to remember. Sometimes maybe it's mm -hmm. poignant enough to remember that we've stood there saying, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And it can be in relationships. It can be in your career. It can be personal. It can mm -hmm. be uh, so many facets. And I remember as I was looking this over, I, I, I kind of looked at the two things, you know, regarding in this lady's situation that would come to mind is, okay, one, do I stay or two, do I go, mm -hmm. you know, and one, I stay because maybe there's something that, you know, is here for me still. I want to play a role. Maybe if I can't be a musician, I can be a music coach. Maybe if yeah. I, you know, can't do certain things, I can still recognize talent or I can, you know, find another way to still use my skills. Um, and then, you know, also, if you're not at the top, what are you going to do now? If you're not rising to the top, if you're finding some other way to stay, mm -hmm. you know, how do you do that? But then also the other option is to go. And the reasons to go are, are, I think, really honest if it's because it's about your mind or your body or your spirit needing to either rest and recover or recess. Yes. Or because it's time to pursue other passions because for whatever reason, you've sort of hit your limit. Yep. And you don't want to stop there. You want to find a way to keep going. And if not up with this way, then on another path in another direction. Um, I just wanted to sort of see uh, what you had thought about some of those ideas, you know, that we'd sort of been tossing around as we began this discussion, emailing about this. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to this topic, I think the biggest thing that we all can relate to is that feeling of being stuck, right? Um, and in sitting in that in that puddle of emotions when we're, when we're stuck, when we want something so bad to change, when we desire something and we just feel like we can't get up and we can't get out of our current situation. Um, I think you have to break it down. Um, you know, there's so many things out there that are telling us to have your, you know, six month goals, your three month goals, the, all the way to a five and a 10 year plan. But, and I think those are all great, but often we get lost in the big details and we lose focus on what's in front of us right now. And 
when we lose focus of what's in front of us right now, then we, in a sense, neglect the problem that we're facing and maybe even mask it and pretend that everything's okay, that fake it till you make it notion. Um, But if we dial things back to the point of, okay, I'm here. This is my situation. It totally sucks. What's in my control? What's not in my control? What do I want? Furthermore, if I feel really, really stuck and I have, I can't do anything about the situation, I'm going to get out my emotions by asking myself, what do I not want to happen? And I think when we focus on what we don't want, then we really clear the air and can create some space to go, okay, well, I don't want that to happen. And then we take it a step further and we acknowledge what we don't want, but we make a plan to not focus on what we don't want. It's kind of like that, the, the story of any race car driver who's in, in training when they're going around the loop. And suddenly the race car driver is just about to spin out and the coach is telling them, don't look where you might be crashing. If you look there, that's where you're going to go. I want you to look where you want to go. Where is the safe place? So I think it's really on the small scale, like you broke it down. You know, how can I get out of this right now? What small actions can I do today? Um. And, and, and to just take a step forward. I mean, it's, it's also a really tough, you know, I, I like this conversation because it's a tough conversation because there is so much, excuse my language, but garbage and bullshit out there about this. Um, and for most, most of the time, the things that we hear, it, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes what we really need to hear is that, yeah, it sucks. Um, You can't do what you want to do, but what can you do right now? And what do you not want to happen? Um, And that's, that isn't pretty butterfly advice, but I think that's just pure honesty. What, what do you think? Um, I think you pointed to something really important, which is that you're, you're going to need to be honest with yourself in these moments. And that finding that honesty is about getting past your own uh, preconceptions, mm-hmm. your own sort of, well, I, I, I think this way, I think, or I might, no, 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 let's just find a way in here. And yep. you great, gave a great one, which is, I'm going to start with what I don't want. Yes. Okay. What I don't want this to do to me, you know, and Something simple can be, I don't want this to be the thing that turns me into someone dependent on alcohol and drugs and barely able to drag myself out of bed. That's right. That's a pretty good one. You know, Mm -hmm. and you might think to yourself, well, that's not going to happen. Okay, maybe, but I'm just going to put it out there. I I don't want this to ruin my life. And however Mm -hmm. that picture looks to you, you don't want this to negatively affect you so that you've fallen down to a point that you never wanted to reach you know and just keeping in mind okay that's where i don't want to be and then maybe coming up a little bit more with i don't want to lose the place i live in Mm -hmm. um i don't want to lose my possessions i don't want these things and you know through the understanding of these are the things i don't want to happen well how do i accomplish that well Mm -hmm. i make sure that i've got 
you know, funding coming in in some way. What does that look like? Well, I know I don't want to go back into this career field because of the issues it creates for me or because of, you know, the negative experiences I've already had. Um, but I know that it's a place I could go if I really get desperate. Okay, but I don't want that yet. So what's the in-between of what I want to do and yes. what I really don't want to do? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, how do and, I... and like, and th- that's the thing that most people don't talk about. And that's why this story that you just shared is so important is because this woman is out there in the open saying, I'm struggling and I'm embracing it this is my struggle right now. And this is what I have to deal with. And, and that's what I'm doing. And a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people want to hear the success. They want to see the end result. They, and maybe to talk about how it was hard in the beginning, but a lot of people don't focus that sometimes it's hard for a long, long, long time until you can achieve what you're going after. And I think that notion of you, sometimes you have to embrace the struggle and sometimes that struggle might not just be three days or three weeks or three months. It might be years. Um, And people don't talk about that. And, and sometimes that's our truth. And, and even though that's a tough place to be, and I also believe that embracing the struggle has its own ebb and flow. Um, it allows us to be human and to just slow down and, and to capture the lessons that life is giving to us right now and to figure out, you know, what really means the most to me right now. So I think when we're put in these situations versus focusing on what we don't want all the time, which will ultimately lead in our lives in that direction, I think the most important thing to do is to sit back and go, okay, what am I learning? How am I growing? And what can I request more of from myself? Right. Um, And those are really hard questions and they're also really hard things to act upon and actually do something about it. I agree. And I know actually that we'd gone over a few other points about embracing the struggle that I want you to cover. Uh, I just noticed our time. We're at about 40 minutes. I just want to do a quick audio check for us and then hop back on. Cool. And if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to pick up on these other bullet points about embracing the struggle that we sort of honed in on, because I think they would be a great way for us to pick back up. Perfect. Okay. Talk to you in just a moment, Tara. Okay. Bye. Bye now. I think that's the biggest gift, actually. That was an aha moment right there. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe this is the part where i need to recognize that if i haven't been stopping and looking around yeah this is the time when i do it right you know this is why i'm being given this opportunity Mm -hmm. to not be pulled or pushed in a direction or to fight against the thing pulling or pushing me but to just take a look around at things while they're happening and maybe get a full fresh or complete perspective right right and also to to just notice, you know, one of the biggest things that I have when I take on coaching clients is the biggest moments that my clients have, whether if it's lifestyle coaching or specifically health coaching is the aha moments based around repeated patterns in their lives. So, you know, if you're struggling right now with say a relationship, um, 
you know, maybe you take that step back and maybe ask yourself a hard question at something like, has this problem happened before? Maybe it looked different. Maybe it was different because it was with a different person or in the situation was different, but are there any similar patterns to my past to what I'm experiencing now? And if there are, what can you learn from that? And, you know, cause I'm a firm believer that life will continue to hand you the same lesson until you learn it, until you finally get it and are able to go, whoa, okay, well, this is a lesson. What can I do better? What can I stop doing? And what can I move on from? Um, so I think that's part of the, the struggle. And I think this is also the hardest part too, where people are like, oh, I just, this is really uncomfortable. I'd rather not. And they shy away. But that's, that's part of the humanity. That's part of life. That's part of being human is, yeah, sometimes things are just sticky and muddy, but that's where the beauty unfolds. It's kind of like the lotus flower that emerges from mud, right? Yes. Agree. Um, and <laughs> like any beautiful flower, you're not going to force it open. No. Nope. came from the mud on its own volition. It's going to open on its own volition. It's, that's right. You know, your, your part of this process is how you deal with that, that waiting period. Right? Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, if you can't force this flower to open, you're going to be waiting for it. Now, what mm-hmm. are you doing with that time? How mm-hmm. do you want to? And um, I think this moves really nicely because the, the sort of uh, last point you had for it was that uh, allowing us to step back in these moments and look around also is our opportunity to actually figure out what we really want. Yes. And what we're going to do to achieve it, or at least for the moment, how we think we want to achieve mm-hmm. it. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Hey, Hi, Seth. Hey. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> there was that little half-second pause where I was like, I wonder uh... what will happen if I try and hop in too. <laughs> um, so just checked your audio. Everything's looking great. Good. And uh, I wanted to pick right back up because uh, it started off with something that I know we've we've had a chance to cover a little bit at length, and you've really done a great job of going into detail with um, with embracing the struggle and how you started out with that it allows us to find our humanity and slow down a bit. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's sort of the beginning of this idea that you had been uh, sort of unpacking, and I wanted to go ahead and step back and let you pick that one back up again, because I, I really know that the next couple parts are really going to be enjoyable. Yeah. So I think, and again, this also plays off of our, la- our, our other podcast episodes, specifically the last one, when it comes to, um, or it comes to the topic of how self-improvement, um, can be dangerous. Um, and I want everyone to know that, yes, we want things to be easy and, and um, you know, not so emotionally weighted, but um, life is life is full of emotions. And sometimes those emotions are not the ones that we most desire. And sometimes the situations that we are in 
um, aren't, aren't, aren't the most optimal. And, and I just want people to know that things will get better if you allow and afford an opportunity to embrace whatever you're going through. And it sounds like utter BS because to be honest with you, when I am faced with a problem, I'm a very emotionally driven person, but I think um, it's also one of my best assets. But when I am really upset, if I am, um, whether that's sad or if I'm really angry, the last thing that I want to have someone tell me is, well, embrace the struggle because I will, you know, flat out tell them, well, go piss off because because that's just how I'm feeling. Um, right. but, but when we slow down and say, okay, well, I can fight this the whole time. I, I can fight um, what life is giving me or I can take life by its hand and decide to go with it and dance with it versus kicking and screaming and being dragged around, then I have the opportunity of this quote unquote, embracing the struggle. Um, so if you can take that visual, um, versus kicking and screaming to just walk and maybe spin around every now and then, maybe there's a couple trips involved, who knows, but if you can take that notion to the problems that you're facing, um, then there's some, ease in it. And, and I think that ease allows us to, um, accept that as humans or as, as spiritual beings living a human existence, that, that there's a whole, um, gamut of things we're going to experience and that what we're experiencing, um, whether they're internal or external, allow us to take moments to say, okay, well, what's the lesson here? Um, what can I learn? What can I do about it? And what can I let go of? Um, and, you know, it, it was kind of serendipitous that we came up, up with this topic when we did because I was working for a small startup company at the time and um, working with a, a few medical offices that were trying to grow their practice, um, having me on as a community mar marketing um, assistant. And, and at the time, my boss um, wasn't paying me on time. And um, so I had some struggles there because you know, as a freelancer, as someone who lives more of a creative lifestyle, um, determining your, your monthly income is important, but, you know, being paid on time also has something to do with respect and integrity. So I wasn't able to specifically know when I'd be getting paid. Um, so on top of that, then my um, boss told me, hey, if you're not willing to go full time with my company that's growing, I got to let you go. And I was like, you know what? Screw you. Like, screw you. No <laughs> way am I going to do that. Like, I left being a paralegal, a 12-year profession, so I wouldn't have to put up with this bullshit. And so, 
you know, of course, screw you and screw you for being disrespectful. And I ended up, uh, actually I ended up quitting and, and out of that, in that struggle of like, screw you. Why did I work for this asshole? I sat back and went, Whoa, I learned a lot of big lessons. One, I, uh, I need to be more confident in my abilities um, with this new role of um, work that I'm doing. And, and most importantly, what I learned most from it was that I don't need permission from this person to do what I want to do. And instead, I decided to create a new company. Literally, it's like a month and a half old. So, you know, yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, am I still struggling with it? Absolutely. But that is that's life. And it sounds it doesn't sound as um, great as I want it to sound. Um, But I think the rawness is really important to this conversation, not to sugarcoat things and not to make things sound unrealistic. Instead, I think it's important to say, okay, yeah, sometimes the unknown really sucks, but I have opportunities here. And those opportunities are, what can I learn today? What can I learn from yesterday? And what can I do better tomorrow? Yes. That was um, a complete rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so important, though, for you to, to set up, you know, what can lead to these events and also when the stopping point is, when it's, okay, now this is the point where I'm moving in a new direction mm-hmm. and there's going to be a struggle involved with that. Yep. And that's something I'm going to have to keep in mind. And I think it's important because – what really comes next is, you know, the doing of it. And, you know, sometimes for me, it can be easy with like a mantra, like, well, anything worth doing is going to be, you know, is it easy? I've always enjoyed that one. You know, anything Ah. that was of value or of quality requires hard work, requires effort, requires sacrifice. Otherwise it wouldn't be so rewarding at the end. It wouldn't ask so much if it didn't give so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also felt that you really did a great job uh, with a couple of points that you brought up for embracing where the the why am I doing this question that we're often faced with. Uh, the, yeah. Why am I doing this again? Because <laughs> that that was probably the one that I would find myself so many times doing. I've worked a couple of full-time jobs where I knew that it gave me benefits that were important for myself and my wife at the time yep. or balanced out our income in a way that I needed for whatever reason. And that would be sort of my mantra. Like, why am I doing this? Ah, yes, because of this. Yep. All right. Yep. For right now, this is why I'm doing mm-hmm. this. Um, but you also brought that question to why am I doing this in regards to embracing the struggle. Um, and it's up to you. You can either go ahead and tick off the points because I think they're great. Or I can feed them to you and have you respond back in a way that's, you know, allows you to just sort of like answer it like a question. Um, but you had a couple of points beyond finding our humanity. And I thought they were really important. I wanted to make sure that um, people had a chance to hear those. I just, so no, no, you go for it. You lead. Oh, go ahead and ask me that question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, the first one that you offered up was uh, embracing the struggle because this is the better option than fighting it. Mm -hmm. 
And I wanted to just go ahead and let you elaborate on that because it starts out with an idea, but I think for others, it becomes a, well, what does that look like? And perhaps you could fill in the details. Sure. Sure. Um, Well, I almost think of it in, in a way of, let's say you want to take up a new hobby of running. Right. Um, and I remember when I first started running, I, uh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And after I'd say about a month of consistently running and I'm talking running one block one day, then two days later running two blocks and then a couple days later, maybe running four blocks and then slowly adding on. I remember when I got to a point of running half a mile straight at a pace I wanted, um, something clicked in me and that was, oh my gosh, it is so much easier for me to do this thing I hate right now, or that's really uncomfortable. Let's take out the word hate that it's really, it's much easier for me to do this thing. That's really uncomfortable. If I just let go of the tension in my body and my upper body. So when I first started running, I'd make sure that my posture was perfect. Then I was leading with my chest, that my neck was nice and long, that I was keeping a long stride and that my feet were tracking my knees, my knees were tracking my hips. And it was just really, really concerned about form and technique and making sure it was right and perfect. But when I got to that half mile point, And I realized, oh my gosh, if I just let go a little bit and continue on, it's so much easier, even though my shoulders are maybe slightly more rounded than than I want them to be. And maybe my chest isn't as open and that, yeah, maybe my, my hips are tucked under a little bit. Whoop-de-doo. I'm still going forward and I'm able to settle into this this discomfort. So that's really what I think is important is to find um, how you're able to invite some more ease into the discomfort. All right. Yeah. And your description sort of leave me with the, yeah, I could just go ahead and repeat all that. Or I could just let it be because it's that good. (laughs) So thank you for describing it in that way. Uh, Because it leaves me with a, well, that just makes me want to move on to the next question. Um, Which which really, you you kind of make it a little too easy on me. But I'm not complaining. I really, really am not. Um, Sorry, Seth. (laughs) You're doing fine. No, I I really enjoyed, you know, this, this sort of like you know, complete answer. Did you always get graded in school for positive marks for having complete answers? You know, not just the one word answer, but like the full sentence answer you had to. What's yeah. the question followed by? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Because would... that was really good. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, my pleasure, which makes it so easy to move on to the, the other uh, bullet points. The next one being, of course, why am I doing this? Embracing the struggle because it will be better we will be better for it. Mm. Either lessons, deep breaths and learning, going with the flow uh, because of what it teaches us. Yeah, I think, you know, I just, I, I, I visually think of 
this mythological hand coming out from wherever I just suddenly revealing itself to me. And, you know, I have the option of, well, my only option right now is giving my hand to this other unknown hand. Maybe we'll call it the, the hand of life or the universe or whatever. And, and I have the opportunity again to kick and scream but either way, this hand is going to wrap itself around me and it's going to pull me with it. Or I can just walk and imagine myself maybe taking more or less like of an out-of-body experience and detaching slightly, not too much, but enough where I can take a deep breath and say, wow, this is where I am. Okay, I used to be at this other place where I thought I was supposed to be, but right now I'm here. Maybe I want to be somewhere else, but right now I'm here. And what do I have to learn from that? And I think something as simple as slowing down and maybe, you know, and sounds so cliche, but if we take moments to just stop the thinking, stop the wheel, stop the planning, stop the hoping, stop the wishing. And if we just stop and stay here in the present without expectation, then we can go, okay, is maybe that this in itself is what I'm supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And create that direction. Um, and in doing that, you know, it just reminded me um, that the more that we talk about this, the more that I, and I'm hopefully others can recall moments that these occurrences have, have led to this realization. One, when you were talking a moment ago about how the patterns that we create, um, so often they lead to familiar problems. Yes. Um, for me, uh, especially when it came to my path to not drinking anymore, um, mine was that I'd gotten in trouble uh, twice now uh, legally uh, for driving illegally. And uh, it really created a lot of complications for me. Mm -hmm. And as everything's being processed and I'm stuck waiting to go through what I know is the same core process I went through the first time around, I thought to myself, okay, um, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and I, of course, was pretty ugly with myself at the time. And it was really confrontational. It was like, and this is where you have to forgive my language, but what are you doing, shithead? What are you doing? Okay. Well, all right. Well, if you don't know what you're doing, take a look around real quick. You see what's going on? Does it look familiar? Do you like what you're doing? Because it's going to happen again. And if you don't do something about it, you're going to be right back here. So if you like this, get comfortable. Yep. And if you don't like it, what do you want to do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a really tough moment to kind of look myself in the eyes, um, mirror or not, and ask how I was going to proceed. And it reminded me that at another time when I was trying out for uh, San Francisco State, I was trying out for the soccer program. I'd already had my second knee surgery. And during the time of training leading up to the tryouts, I'd felt some pain, but I thought it was just stress. And then during the tryout, I felt more and more of this clicking pain, which I knew to be similar to the last arthroscopic meniscus surgery I'd had. And I was like, oh, no, my meniscus is frying on me again. 
how am I going to do this? And I tried to fight through the training, but it would mess me up when I was doing plays. It would throw off my timing. And sure enough, I got cut from the team. And the question I kept getting asked by everyone was, what are you going to do? I had moved out to San Francisco to try out for this team and to go to school there. I, it was the one option that had been available after another school that had accepted me and put me on their team, went through some budget thing and then cut me and I was flailing about. And this had been the place where I was going to land. And I had at least one friend saying, dude, it's not working out. You got to come home, come home, screw, you know, forget everybody, forget that place, all that other stuff. Clearly, you know, it's not working out. Don't do it. You know, come home. You've got friends and people that love you here. You'll be, you know, you'll be taken care of. And other people who were just waiting to hear how I'd respond. And I remember I said, look, I came here because it was my best option to play soccer. Mm-hmm. And even though that's not happening, it was my best option to play soccer while going to school. Yep. So I came here to do this. Even if I can't do that, I also came here to go to school. That's right. So now I need to put all my effort into getting this degree that I mm-hmm. – I mean, I also had to do all these different things to transfer from the the college where I was at, where I was trying to get some playing time at a, you know, community level so I could sort of leap onto or hit the ground running for this, you know, four-year college team and sort of follow this plan that I'd seen from other guys was a way of getting in after my injury had sort of wiped out my senior year of playing. Um, And yet now all of that planning which had allowed me to do the soccer, but also as part of the requirement had made sure I was an eligible transfer student to this school. I'd done all that work for something mm-hmm. and I wanted it to mean something. Yep. And at that point I had to change my you know, direction a bit and my perspective, which was I'm going to go to school and be a scholar and athlete to, I can't focus on the athlete right now because that's not my option. You know, once the team cuts you, you're done. So I need to focus on my education now because I'm still here. I invested this money and I, you know, made this commitment. I think that's a great story, especially because you could have said, all right, screw it, going back home. Or you could have said, screw it, I'm going to finish, you know, I'm going to start my education. I'm going to finish here, but I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be really effing bitter and live in maybe in a state of what if. You know, um, so I think that's a really important story to emphasize because sometimes we set out to do big, great things and they just don't work out and that completely sucks. But you took that opportunity and yeah, it was an opportunity to say, all right, well, I also came out here to get an education. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's a new place and I'm going to see what happens. And I think that's also part of the embrace the struggle when you can't do what you want to do. Um, That's a perfect example of it. Nice. I was hoping. And as I was going through it, it was like, I've been talking for a few minutes here, haven't I? This has really (laughs) gone from just, you know, a quick story about the, the experiences that was part of uh, me not drinking, but then it, it, shifted into this other one about school, which was actually like appearing in my mind as I was talking. And I almost had to go, hold on to that thought. (laughs) Start (laughs) spitting it out before you forget it. Just spit it all out. Um, But yes, that was part of the embracing the struggle. And I don't think I realized that while I was telling that. It wasn't until I finished and you just said something that, that it sunk in. Like, yeah, that was the embracing of it. Like, well, 
you came here and if you're going to stay here, it's going to be work. That's right. How are you going to do that now? Mm -hmm. You know, and and what are you going to do? How are you going to prepare? Yep. Um, and I didn't have any answers. <laughs> I was, I was looking around left and right, like I have no idea what to do. Okay, I need to make a plan, mm-hmm. and that was probably my my next challenge. And I think maybe the one that others are are going to be also faced with, you know, when this moment arises or these moments, as they will, come up. Okay, um, you know, I've experienced this thing. Um, and it's changed what I thought I was doing. I, I don't really, you know, know how I'm still responding to it, but I know that part of it is trying to figure out what to do next. And that part of figuring out what to do next means, oh goodness, where do I want to go find my direction? But then what, you know, I know where I want to go, but, but, but now what? Yes. And, and that's the, you know, the next step. Okay, well, yes, you've you've set a direction, but you know what does forward momentum look like? What is what is pursuing it? You know what is this goal that I'm trying to achieve, and how do I get there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's I th- I think the the notion of now what is also really really hard um, when you're in the thick of it, when you can't do what you want to do, when you're uncertain, when you have no idea how you got to where you want to be. Well, now what, right? And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Um, right. And, and I think it's important at that moment when you arrive at now what, when maybe you've created a plan or maybe you have no idea of your <coughs> plan, but you're stuck with now what I think you have the decision to be decisive, which I think is really important. And right now that speaks to me. It's like, it's one of my core desired feelings for 2019 is to be decisive rather than, rather than to overthink, to over plan, to overanalyze, to ponder instead to act. And sometimes the most, I don't know, the, the word rebellious is coming to mind. One of the most or liberating things that you can do in life when you feel stuck, when you can't do what you want to do is to make one decision. And that can, decision can be as simple as, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but right now the weather's beautiful. I'm going to go outside and get some sun on my face. And then after I'm done doing that, maybe I'm going to call my mom. Maybe I'm going to call my friend. And then... Maybe I'm going to do this, but you take the maybes out, of course, because you're being decisive and you just make these small decisions one at a time. This is what it is. Go. Don't think. Go. Act. And in, in, in that, you find some freedom and you find some confidence and you find some strength, especially when you're not feeling that like you're strong or that you're in control. And I think that's really important to take a decisive like attitude to the situation you face. And that's what you did with, you know, when soccer was taken away from you, you made the decision. All right, I'm here. I'm going to study. That's it. Yeah. And uh, now I need to figure out, you know, what that sort of uh, path looked like. I needed to start um, analyzing what my school schedule was, what the classes I needed to take the next semester were. um, And then all the other 
you know, pieces that went with it. Okay, when do I get books? Where where do I, you know, when are they released? Is there supplemental reading I can get now? Uh, where is this classroom at? I should take a day and go down there and figure out where my class is, you know, and then mm-hmm. it just became about the plotting, planning, and preparing. And uh, as we're coming up on 29 minutes, I'm going to choose this moment to go ahead and pause for us and then come back with our uh, next segment, which is actually going to have to kind of wrap us up for today. Okay. Um, and focus on the uh, parts about preparing and planning and ways that we can do that effectively and sure. productively and also use that as, as part of our forward momentum. Perfect. Solid. We'll be right back with you, everyone. Tara, I'll be back on with you in just a moment. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, Seth. Hi, Tara. Um, yeah, you were setting up uh, really nicely for us this idea of preparing, which mm-hmm. I thought was really like a great way for us to maybe both just go into uh, what that looks like or how we've used this sort of approach, either with ourselves or maybe on a general how do you prepare for this next step that you're going to take mm-hmm. and um, either examples from us or however you wanted to maybe respond initially to that question of, well, how do you prepare? Sure. Sure. So, you know, you, in our email exchange, you really broke it down to how do you prepare when you are faced with the situation when you can't do what you want to do, but you know, you don't want to, just stay put. You want something not necessarily better, but different, right? Let's just call it different. And you said five different bullet points. You study, you train, you recruit, you share, you make a plan. So I sat there and thought about that. And, and, and what really stood out was, well, you know, when we say the word prepare, we think of like, okay, let's, let's pull, pull out our notebook. Let's figure out a plan, you know, almost like a, a camping trip out in the wild. You know, what supplies do you need? Where are you going? How long are you staying? What do you plan on doing? What about weather and things like that? And I think if we just take a simple approach to these five bullet points, you know, the study portion, um, I think when it comes to the study or at least the mindset um, portion of getting out of a place where you don't want to remain stuck. I think the biggest thing that you need is clarity and you get clarity by specifically defining what you do want and what you don't want. Um, That's what I think of when, when I think of study or mindset training. Mm. Understood. Yeah. And for me, it was um, about trying to figure out what it was that I still wanted to maybe do either Mm. in my field or not, or what um, maybe I had always considered. I mean, when you're in the midst of competing in an event or participating in something, you're performing that role. Yeah. In the back of your mind is the knowledge that there's the people who are officiating or keeping records, or performing other functions of that event. And at some point, maybe there's an opportunity in one of those roles that's worth considering. Um, Because the most direct might be something like, well, I've done something, maybe I can coach others. Certainly. But maybe that's not the only thing I can do. Because maybe there's 150 other people like me, and there's only five coaching spots. Well, if I'm not going to get one of those, what else, what other roles can I consider? 
I'm not sure. Well, what goes into what I've been doing? Well, this is how much I do know. I wonder if there's anything else. And if I do a little studying, I can uncover one, whether or not I actually knew everything, which very rarely happens. Or, or two, <laughs> what did I not know? And through oh. the not knowing, realize, oh, you know, that's a complete facet that, that was invisible to me until I read about this. And I considered how it not only goes into what I was doing before or is similar, but also how it might. And this was sort of how I, I looked at these different events, how this might relate to either strengths or weaknesses. Um, mm -hmm. And if I've already got strengths and skills that I've already honed and developed, they might be translatable to some other part of something I enjoyed doing or something that gave me a similar feeling. And that through that sort of study, I can see where those strengths of mine might fit. I think what you just said is really powerful because it really um, captures the essence of what it is to be magnetic for the change that you want in your life, right? Like what can you, how can you create more opportunity in your life? Is it through like literal research um, into what you want? Is it, through um, self-inventory of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And all those efforts really do create a type of magnetism in your life to change your current situation. So I think what you were literally just saying was like, how do I, and, and I don't really like using the word manifest, but how, <laughs> how can I like magnetize the change that I want in my life? How can I be magnetic to uh, attract what, I want and desire most, even though I'm here right now. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And thank you. That was something I didn't even really uh -huh. consider while you were, until I heard you describing it, because for me, mine, it was more like, well, if you're going to have to try and do something, or if you want to learn how to do something, you should probably study it. And then right. you can learn more about it. And through that learning sort of gain an understanding that, that helps, but you know, what you're showing is that that's not just achieving one goal that you're actually accomplishing many. Mm -hmm. And that part of that is uh, this idea of magnetism, which is, yeah, something I never even considered. Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> literally being magnetic to change and uh, setting yourself up to being open to opportunities that you maybe never even considered. Yeah. Um, wow. Thanks. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty cool now because I did something I didn't even know I was doing. <laughs> Maybe you're like a superhero. You're like Magneto Man or something like that. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to figure out my name and get me copyright because anybody yeah. listening is like, I'm going to come up with a better name. Steal it. Right. Um, and, and more power to you, man. You know, you, you do. Um, okay. Then, uh, you know, I guess the next one would be uh, training you know, and, and what that sort of, I guess, looks like based on the path that you've chosen or the direction that you've sort of um, set yourself on mm -hmm. based on what you've learned and what that's uh, brought out about what you already know or skills you already have. Um, and then training, boy, training's a kind of interesting one because it, it's going to be relative to the thing that you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, some things you can study and be book smart and other things you have to actually just get in there and do them over and over again yep. because practice makes perfect kind of thing. That's right. That's right. Um, 
Huh. And uh, yeah, you know, when I think about it, um, back around the time that I was transitioning into more freelance free agent work uh, about two years ago, I wanted to try and create some way to make myself uh, stay active, create some sort of uh, movement that would be self-perpetuating. And I have always enjoyed being up kind of on the early side as it was, just gives me time to prepare. And yeah, I remember deciding that I was going to start getting up regularly at like four in the morning and that that would be my time. And no one else is awake. The dogs, thankfully, are still too sleepy to even care that I'm awake while I'm out there and they're still <laughs> sleeping in crates. Um, you know, and thankfully, I'm relatively quiet because all I'm trying to do is read or write so I don't wake up my wife. And it's it's become something that I've realized now looking back was part of a training regimen that I created for myself mm-hmm. where I would set aside that time and get up and write. And that's it. That was that was the uh, that was the sole purpose of doing that was to either be writing or thinking about writing or some part of it that was facilitating it. You know, even if it was just to do some more reading about writing or reading mm-hmm. and um that was something that I, I was uh, immediately drawn to as we were approaching this topic. And I just wondered what training has looked like to you for a pursuit of direction that you took on. Sure, sure. So um, whenever I've been faced with the situation of feeling stuck and not being able to do what I want to do and figuring out, well, what can I do now? you know, I go back to that notion of courage, hard time and hard time for me isn't something where it's journaling. Yes, that is hard time. Um, but I think of hard time as literally physical movement where I am nourishing my heart with physical movement by breathing hard or by breathing mindfully. And so exercise is a huge thing. Um, So when I um, left my corporate job, one of the first things that I did to ensure that I had some sort of structure or decisiveness in my day was to create a morning routine. And and still to this day, every morning I wake up and I am a yoga teacher, but every single morning I wake up and I do 20 to 30 minutes of yoga on my own. And that's something that I have to do. Um, because it allows me the space and clarity to be okay where I am now. Even if things look great on the outside, sometimes it doesn't feel that way on the inside. So it allows me the opportunity to just be. And that's my form of training because the first thing that I did in the morning is I woke up, boom, nailed that. I got out of bed. You know, kudos. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. Two, I made the decision to go up to my office, do some yoga. Boom. I was decisive. And (laughs) and that's my type of training is to make those, to approach my day with small, many wins. So that's my, and and that works for me because I'm an overthinker. Um, I would much rather spend eight hours planning my life than to do anything about it. I'm one of those people. And so when I go into my office to do work, I, the night before I already made the decision of what I'm doing today. So it's being decisive is my form of training. And I think it's a a type of discipline that can be um, useful 
and um, really easy to follow. Yeah, I really think it's something that if you base it around the things that you are seeking and the things you know you want to do in order to get better, that finding this desire to build a sacred time for them, this sort of untouchable moment or Mm -hmm. period, Mm-hmm. gives them a, almost a, oh goodness, the words, the words there. Uh, they, yeah, I was using it the other day, gravitas. It gives it a certain amount mm. of respect, which yes. I think goes back to what you had been mentioning with that position you were referring to. And it was like, well, okay, I'm, I'm working with you, but when you, you know, choose not to pay me on time or decide that, you know, it's going to be a new change to my work previous work agreement and that's you know your way or the highway well hold on now <laughs> exactly exactly yep you know look, look what you're you know putting upon me and putting in front of me and um yeah i uh i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna allow that to be because i think i think it it really was just that succinct it was like okay look um the value that you're placing on me is clearly not the value i'm placing on myself and in turn I know this because when I create time for myself and place a value on it, this is the value I put on it. Exactly. It's a sacred time. It's not something that's interrupted. It's not something that's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by making that commitment and showing it that level of respect, that's how I'm honoring it. And if that's not what you're doing, well, then we need to restructure our relationship. Exactly. And when you train daily, um, no matter what that looks for you, um, it it allows you to um, ask more of yourself and ask more of others that you allow in your life Um, and to do it in a manner that is respectful and not harmful. You know what I mean? Um, So I think that training aspect sets you up for getting what you want to tolerate in life um, and getting out of the situation you are and you're presently in. Yes, I, yes. <laughs> it's always nice when I just go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then for just, a, you know, these last two points, overall, when I had made the, the points uh, about study, train, recruit, share, and make a plan, um, it's interesting that I'm realizing that make a plan seems to be a part of each one of these. Yeah. And that make a plan sort of ends up becoming the end result of um, pursuing, you know, study, train, recruit, and share. Um, And keeping that in mind, I'm going to just drop off the make a plan part because I feel like that's something that, you know, becomes intrinsic with each one of these. Mm -hmm. But I do want to talk about either examples of recruit or share and which one sort of might pull towards you uh, more strongly. Sure. Um, I think the recruit uh, – is really important. And I think it's when I see the word recruit, what I see is um, create a support system. So uh, that support system can be a system of friends and family that you call or are in contact with on a regular basis, um, just to check in, not only to let them know how you're doing, but also to take a moment and go, eh. It's not always about me. How are you doing? (laughs) Right. And it kind of also gives you a different perspective and you might have something to learn on that day or that conversation. But then also that recruit means, okay, 
what can I allow into my life to support me in what I'm doing, where I am and where I want to be? So is recruiting something like I need to recruit more time so I can sleep, I can mm-hmm. laugh, I can um, be active, I can have dream storming sessions, I can um, develop more or learn a new skill. Like, what is it? When I see the word recruit, I see support. Um, maybe that's some cross wiring in my brain, but that's what count- comes to my mind. No, actually, I think that's really smart because um, you don't know why you're recruiting people sometimes. Mm -hmm. You don't know even what the all purpose, end all purpose might be, but that there is a purpose. And that is that you know that there's something that can be gained for both of you. Yes. And it's generally it's something where I know you have a strength that's a weakness for mine. And this is an opportunity for you to use it towards something that I'm working towards and I think might fit you as well. Mm -hmm. Or um, we actually have skills that when we match them up would help us both work towards a shared perspective. And by collaborating that way, by working together, we can create a network not only that benefits me, but benefits you. Then we've created something that works for both of us, Mm -hmm. you know, something that's Mm-hmm. mutually supporting mm-hmm. I guess would be like a you know the mutually beneficial sounds like me but mutually supporting <laughs> definitely feels like oh okay this is something that's designed for both of us we're getting things out of it we're yeah <laughs> mutually beneficial just has a tone to it I don't yes. know why yeah um but that that this idea of a network yeah that's actually something that I didn't even realized until you said it but Um, And it actually folds that idea of sharing in because it's your network that you're creating and communicating with. Mm -hmm. And that becomes part of the sharing idea that with them, you're, you're building something together and that these other components become part of that, the sharing, the communicating, the uh, training and studying, it becomes a a community. And also the whole um, share aspect allows you to um to focus on that the basic need of being connected right um in the very basic need of um receiving not sympathy but empathy when things aren't going well Um, right i think that's one of the hardest things in our relationships and um that we may do incorrectly with really good intentions is to sympathize with others rather than to empathize. So when you share your wins and losses with people, you know, seek out those who are going to empathize with you and going to celebrate with you at the same time and are going to encourage you. Um, And that goes right back to that recruit, right? That whole support system. It's this huge, um, well, it's, it's a basic system that we all need, whether we're doing really, really well in life or if things just aren't going well. Yes. And it's something that, you know, we, we understand it for its values often, you know, through initial experience, but it's late growth and gained experience that we can see just how many ways that its value goes beyond why we originally made it a part of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it could be that initially it's about strengths and weaknesses, or initially it's about sharing and relating and, then out of that can grow so many other branches, so many other 
strands that you find yourself going, wow, um, I know what we both got into this for, but what we're doing now and what we're all doing together has grown far beyond, you know, our limited scope. What was originally just this straightforward idea that now can become something that's almost like a canopy, you know, something that can expand outward and encompass so many other things that without each other never would have been possible because it never would have been considered um, or maybe even introduced in any other format except through this shared experience that we're creating together. And that thing that we're doing now, (laughs) it outlives and out uh, grows each of us individually, you know, that, 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 that thing that we started with and what it's grown to has allowed us to actually become much more than we ever would have by ourselves. And, and that's exactly what most of us, if not all of us need when we can't do what we want to do when we're like in the thick of it is we need that. We need that growth, that shared connection, that gained experience. Yeah. I, 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 and I, as soon as you said that, all I could think of was yes, because it's when we're working with each other together that we don't mark the, the guidestones, the milestones or anything else like that, that we continue that shared experience. And those other things just become, Part of the benefit, part of the the blessing, as it said. I like it. I can't add anything to it. I can't. I just have to okay. let it be. That's <laughs> right. really good. Hey, uh, we got there together. And uh, if I can say anything right now, it's Tara, thank you for helping me through this discussion get there to that point where whatever I just said sounded as good as it felt while I was saying it. <laughs> no, thank you. I think it's uh, I think this is such a great topic to talk about because it's something we all have experienced and we will all experience again. Um, and I like that we shared raw emotions and realistic expectations of how to maneuver and, um, deal with it per se. Agree. And I know that it's really going to be something that we'll understand better when we hear from those of you who <laughs> had a chance to listen and share with us. And please know that when you do share back with us, that's going to be part of this experience that we're talking about. Yes. How our shared growth and understanding through communication is going to allow us to reach uh, these understandings without even realizing what we were doing together until we get there. Um, and for your part in this today, Tara, again, thank you. Really enjoyed our conversation, this experience. Thank you so much, Seth. Yes. My, my pleasure. Um, I have to run off to an appointment, so I'm going to sign off and say thank you again, but I know we'll be in touch and I can't wait for our next discussion about self-acceptance. Let's do it, Seth. Have a (laughs) kick-ass day and thanks for everyone for listening. So thank you again for listening. And if you find yourself with an extra moment at the end of this recording and you feel like you've got the inspiration to share, subscribe, or just tell a friend, well, thank you for that too. To read more content by Tara Masson, you can visit taramasson.com 
or send her an email at tara at taramasan.com. To reach Seth Singleton, you can either visit his website, Seth Singleton Storyteller, or contact him by email at sethsingleton at gmail.com. All of this information is available through our podcast link and also uh, on the links provided to our websites. And I'm going to encourage you to keep an eye out. Tara Masan will be starting her own podcast soon, Healthy Living Radio with Tara. And I'm just going to encourage you to keep your eyes out for her upcoming podcasts. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you again for listening and supporting. You may not know, but every time you play an episode, I receive financial support whether it's from the ads that I'm now beginning to record or if it is through uh, other sponsorship opportunities. If you want to provide support, you can always hit the support button somewhere on your player, usually right there on the uh, main screen where this podcast is showing, or by clicking on the support links, which will allow you to become a financial donor. And you can always reach out to me and Anchor if you're interested in having my voice for your audio ad. But more than anything, it's every play and every listener that gives me the chance to keep coming back and provide you with the stories that I hope you want to hear and I'm always looking forward to share.